you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great conversation and episode to help you take your career to the next level. Today, I'm talking with Mark Hirschberg, who is the author of the book, The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You, From Tracking Criminals and Terrorists on the Dark Web to Creating Marketplaces and new authentication systems, Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and Fortune 500s and in academia. He helped to start the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he teaches annually. At MIT, he received a BS in physics, a BS in electrical engineering and computer science, and a master's in engineering and computer science, focusing on cryptography. At Harvard Business School, Mark helped create a platform used to teach finance and prominent business schools, finance at prominent business schools. He also works with many nonprofits, including Techie Youth and Plant a Million Corals. And uh, Mark reached out to me and I knew that I needed to have him on my show because we had a lot in common uh, other than I didn't go to MIT or Harvard. Uh, But I did go to University of Florida, which I think is like the MIT of the South with a much better football team. You get to decide on that. Uh, But I had a great conversation with Mark. He breaks it down here. uh, uh, He talks a little bit about his career, uh, why he went into doing what he does. Talked a little bit about cryptography and some tips in here for how to keep yourself safe online. And then some of the essential skills for success in your career that he goes into, uh, like making a plan, building a high-value network, uh, developing uh, leadership skills, managing teams, and negotiating a job offer. And of course, all of this comes from Mark's book, which is called The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Mark Hirschberg. Enjoy. All right, I'm joined now by Mark Hirschberg, author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to share some tips with your audience. I'm excited too, because, uh, you know, I like talking with people a lot about personal development, career development, helping people with their careers. And, you know, something I hadn't really thought about is that all these things that we need to figure out in the working world, no one really taught us in school. And so you're, you're going to help us out with some of those things today. Exactly. Yeah, this is a common widespread problem. So before we get into your book and, and some of these essential skills, and I'm excited to dig into them. I, I'm curious to hear about your own career. I know you went to MIT, you've done uh, some teaching, you've done some really interesting stuff. So um, let's, let's start there. What has your career been like? I've had this very interesting dual career. I came out of MIT in the 90s and started as a software developer. I realized early on that I wanted to become a CTO, a chief technology officer. But the skills needed to succeed as a CTO were things like leadership, communication, team building, interviewing. Yes, I had to be a good engineer, but I had to do these other things as well, and no one taught them to me. So I quickly began to develop them in myself and then realized these skills are not just for executives or not just for senior people. They help everyone, including the most junior people on the team. So I began training up my team. 
Now, around this time, MIT had gotten similar feedback. Surveys done at MIT and other schools have shown that companies want these skills and people they hire at all levels, but they can't find it. So at MIT, they were putting together what's now referred to as the Career Success Accelerator. And when I heard about this, I reached out, I said, you know, I've been training my team. Can I help you with any of this? I said, yes, please. And so I helped create some of the content and they asked me to come help teach it, which I've now been doing for the past 20 years. So I've had one career as a CTO and I've helped startup companies and Fortune 500s play startup, but I've had a parallel career teaching at MIT and elsewhere and now the book and speaking that gives me this wonderful duality and balance. Ah, so interesting. And where does the, I also saw in your bio about tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web, where does this come in? My graduate work at MIT was in cryptography. That's secret codes, how we can encrypt your data so you can put credit cards online and be safe. Yeah. And while a lot of the work I've done is how we can authenticate you or how we can secure your data, for one particular company, we were doing more intelligence gathering. So we were effectively digital spies gathering information that were sold to various companies and government agencies to help them in their security preparations. Interesting. So you know a lot about this underlying world of what's going on with people's data and cryptography and all that stuff. So maybe before we get to the career stuff, what are a couple tips you have there? What are some things that most people don't think about with regards to, say, protecting their data or things that we do that might be risky for us down the line? Uh, first, I'll give you three basic tips and then I'll throw in a, what people don't know. If you do these three things, install an antivirus on your computer, turn on 2FA, that's two-factor authentication. That's where you get the text message or something to log into a system. Mm. And three, use a password manager. A password manager is basically where you remember just one password and then it stores all your others. So your passwords can be these really long 20 to 30 character long passwords. Right. If you do those three things, you are ahead of 99% of the people and probably in really great shape. Okay, I'm Here's feeling pretty good. I, I use two-factor uh, authentication on a lot of things now. And I finally moved to a password manager. I use LastPass for most of the, the stuff I use, especially so I can share with my team. Um, moving away from the old spreadsheet with every password on it, which, you know, everybody has, right? I mean, I was with my, with a family member recently who helped him create an account on something and he pulled up his Apple notes and it had like every password on there. And it's like, oh, someone gets into that, then they've got every password, right? Exactly. Whereas they're much less likely to get into LastPass or another password manager. That's mm -hmm. like a vault as opposed to your spreadsheet was just leaving it out on your desk for anyone who comes into your, your home. So you're safe using a password manager. The one other thing I'll share is we leak information all the time. So for example, when you take a photo, that photo most people have geotagging on, so it has your location. Mm. And that's when I look at your photo, I can see that meta information, the geotagging. If I am a thief, and I can get access to that raw photo if you share it on some place where I could see the photo and not a copy of it. Oh, look, that geotag does not line up to your home in, say, New Jersey, because that geotag is a Caribbean, or I could figure it out just from looking at the photo. Right. I'll bet you're not home right now. Yeah. I can find your address easily, and that's the next place I'm going to rob. Oh, interesting. All right. I remember early on, I would share photos on vacation or something. And someone would say, you shouldn't do that. They'll know that you're not home and go rob your house. And I'm like, just go rob my house. I'm going to go on vacation. <laughs> like, 
I'm not. I'm I always share them too. after I get back. Yeah, exactly. And then I'll share photos. It'll make for a good story on social media. Um, okay, so let, let's move away from that and and get into some of the career tips because you, I, I love what you mentioned about how you got into engineering and you wanted to be a CTO and realized you need all of these other skills on leadership and management. And I think that's a huge challenge in the world today. I do a lot of work in talent development, um, sort of training and development world. And, uh, and you know, one of the biggest challenges I've noticed in, in every big company and the most common is they look at someone and say, hey, you're really good at engineering or you're a great software coder or a salesperson. We're going to promote you to manager so you can now manage other people to do that. And yet they give them no training on how to be a manager, how to be a leader, um, or you know, the opposite, which is that. Uh, we're looking for people with manager type skills, but we're only training you on the technical stuff. So how do people ever develop those? So it's interesting to hear you you started learning those on your own and then bringing those to MIT when they were starting to develop that as well. That's right. And the transition you named going from an individual contributor to a manager is probably the single most difficult step in anyone's career. Because as an individual contributor, you've been focused on some specific skill set, accounting or sales or whatever. And as you get better at that, they give you more responsibility. You become a senior right. whatever, a super senior whatever. But then all of a sudden, when you take that next step to management, it's not just about being good at that capability. Suddenly, half your responsibilities, maybe more, maybe less, involve a totally different set of skills that has not been critical to your success so far. And without that conscious reset and oftentimes training, people miss that. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the essential skills for success that no one taught you and probably no one taught me and probably no one taught anyone listening. Uh, wh what are some of these skills? I'd love to dig in. There are 10 skills I include in the book, broken into three sections. And these skills, this isn't why you dreamt up one night. This comes from these surveys done by multiple universities. So these are the skills mm. corporate America says they want to see. Section one, careers, how to create and execute a career plan how to work effectively, managing your manager, fitting into the corporate culture, how to interview. Now, most of us have had lots of training as a candidate, but we often have to interview our peers or yeah. subordinates later. No one trains us how to do that. Mm -hmm. The second section, leadership and management skills. And management, I break down into people management and process management. And these skills, again, are not just for people with leadership or managerial titles. They are for everyone, even individual contributors. Then the third section, four chapters, communication, negotiation, networking, and ethics. There's clearly some good stuff in there. Um, I want to go back to the foundation and making that career plan. I feel like most people don't do this, right? You, you pick the major based on what your, your parents tell you to do or your friends, and then you get the job that comes along to you and then you start moving along. And then, uh, you know, one thing leads to another and people oper often operate in reaction mode, which is why I wrote my book, um, because I find people are not very intentional, uh, but you are suggesting people start with an actual career plan before just setting off on their career. Absolutely. Consider the following. Imagine if your boss came to you and said, we have this really critical project for the next two years. This is going to make or break the company, and it's all on you. You have to hit this goal in two years. And you said to your boss, okay, great. I'm going to go off for two years, not going to bother with a project plan, not going to bother with a budget, milestones, check-in, whatever. I'm just going to go for it. I'll see you in two years. Cross your fingers. Let's hope we do it. Yes. What would your boss say to that? 
I don't think my boss would be very happy about that. And yet that's what we do with our careers, which are much longer than two years. We say, oh, well, cross my fingers. Hope I wind up here in five years. We need to create a plan. And as Eisenhower said, plans are worthless, but planning is everything. Don't worry about getting the right plan. This is what trips people up. I can't figure it all out. I'm not going to know where I'm going to be in, in five years to get to 10 years. And that's okay. Just like if you did a two-year project plan, you're going to be a little more concrete early on. And it's going to be a little fuzzier later. And equally important, you are going to adjust your plan as you go. In that two-year plan, a year in, we're going to say, hey, let's just check in again, probably even more than once a year. Let's check in again and uh, maybe adjust it. Maybe even the goal change. We've all seen that at work, right? The CEO says, change of plans, new direction. Well, that happens in our life as well. I wasn't planning to write a book like this or to teach at MIT, but the opportunity came up and I reevaluated my plan and adjusted it. Plans are worthless, but planning is everything. I, I love that because it, it gets to the essence of what you're talking about and what I talk about a lot with people, which is that it's so important to have a plan. It doesn't mean that the plan is going to go perfectly, right? Like all kinds of things are going to come up and you never know where you're going to end up. So once you get going, the plan may not matter that much, but do going through the planning process and getting clarity on where you want to go is so important. Another famous quote, a hope without a plan is just a wish. Yeah, absolutely. A goal without a plan is just a wish. Uh, one that I talk about a lot as well. Um, so we've got the, the, the plan. Um, one thing you talk about uh, in your book as well that I talk about in my book and I'm big on is the power of networking. And you talk about creating or building a high value network. I don't know if you could talk more about the importance there. Networking is key. And we've all heard this, right? Mm -hmm. I heard this when I was young. It always kills me. Everyone's been telling this to us, but no one stopped to teach us how to do this. Your network is going to open up opportunities. Now, unfortunately, most people think, ooh, I need a job, time to go network. And this is problematic for two reasons. First, your network needs to be built before you need it. You're not going to say, you know what? I need to go pack up my apartment this weekend. I better go out to the bar, meet a couple people and say, hey, great meeting you. Want to help me pack up my apartment this weekend? Those are not the people who will show up for you. It's the people who you've known for 10 years. Right. They're the ones who will be there. So first we have to build our network well in advance of when we need it. Second, we have to look more than just transactionally. Just, oh, I need a job. Let me go out, network, network, network. Okay, job done. That's it. We need to, like all relationships, continue to invest and grow them so they're there when we need them in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm so big on that as well. Uh, you know, every opportunity I've gotten in my own career has come from networking, from relationships, uh, and, and continues to do so. They're just so critical. Now, we started this conversation talking about the importance of developing leadership skills, and you talk about developing the fundamental leadership skills that matter most. And a lot of people getting into their career are probably not thinking that much about leadership skills, but you say they're, they're very important. Unfortunately, most people think leadership is something that comes from a title. I will be a leader when I am a director or a VP. But companies want to see people who exhibit leadership skills, not simply say, I have a leadership title. And that means taking initiative. That means putting forward ideas. And so in the book, I really break down the essence of what leadership is. And it's not just from your position. Once you understand that, you can develop these skills and you can stand out as a leader. 
and then get those promotions, get those raises that will get you to the positions of authority. But true leadership doesn't come from your title. Yeah, I agree. So what are a couple of skills or things that people can be working on early on to become better leaders? We need to recognize that leadership is a holistic term as opposed to an individual skill. So consider if I said, I want to become a really great basketball player, what does that mean? That could mean I am one of the best shooters or a great rebounder or great at just passing and helping out my team, great on defense. There are lots of different types of great basketball players. I don't just say, well, I'm just going to be a good basketball player. I have to focus on particular attributes. The same is true of leadership. There's different types of leaders but it's a combination of different skills. So what I recommend is look at the leaders you admire. These might be leaders you know personally, leaders you're just aware of, but who you don't know. It could be big public figures. It could even be a fictional leader from a book or a TV show. Whatever this person is, look at that person's leadership style and then break down why do you like this person as a leader? What is it that she or he does? And start to write down those attributes, right? If it's basketball, oh, great shooter, great passer. So write down those attributes and then recognize you can develop those individual attributes and doing so, you will become a stronger leader and a stronger follower. Uh, absolutely. Let's talk about something related to this. You talk about managing teams effectively even as an individual contributor, I think when we think about managing teams or leading teams, we think we have to be in this managerial role, uh, but you're saying that this is something we can be doing even when we are an individual contributor. Absolutely. And I'll first note that as someone who has that authority, as a CTO, okay, in theory, I can say, do this or else, right? I'm going to fire you or you're not going to get your raise. But if I did that to my team, if I said, do it because I say so, they're going to quit good employees don't accept do it because I said so. Mm -hmm. And especially in today's labor marketplace, I can't get away with that. I have to manage by motivating them. Now, the same is true when you are not a manager, when you don't have the authority over someone, but you need a coworker to do something. Well, you can't just say do it because I said so or do it because I'm in charge. All of us, when we've needed something from a coworker, hey, I could really use your help. Can you spend a couple hours this afternoon at the whiteboard with me as I figure this out? Or can you go over this thing you did with me because I'm not following it? I am basically imposing on you. I am directing your tasks in service of my needs, but I can't do it by commanding you. Now, we've all been there and we've all done that. We know how to say please and we know how to do that. But doing it in a larger scale, being able to do that more effectively. It's easy to do a small ask, hey, can you spend five minutes helping me with this? But if I need you to spend five weeks helping me with this, and that's not your task, how do I get you to do that? Mm, yeah, so important. Influence is critical, so important in your career and working in the working world and being able to build trust and influence and all these things to be able to, to navigate the world, get things done, um, and build your own personal brand in the process because you have been collaborating so well with people on different teams. Uh, so last thing I want to ask you about is uh, you talk about in the book, negotiating a job offer and, and talk about this being, uh, you know, the tips here, bringing the whole value of the book, right? If you don't learn anything else. And this is something I never truly learned how to do well. And I know a lot of people struggle with this. Uh, so tell me more about what we can and should be thinking about that no one really taught us about negotiating that job offer. Well, 
here is probably one of the more critical pieces. Forget even any tip I can give you now in the next 30 mm -hmm. seconds. Think of the following. Imagine you are 25 years old and you have a job offer for $60,000. But instead of just taking it as is, you negotiate that offer. I was on a podcast the other day and the host said he took a job for $40,000. He found out later they were willing to go up to 60. He had no idea. He took it mm. at 40. But imagine he left 20,000 on the table. But imagine you're just 60,000. You negotiate. You spend a couple minutes. You negotiate for $1,000 more. Okay, 61,000. That's yeah. not a huge lift. Doesn't you can seem like that it. much. Yeah. If you do nothing else in your career, if you sit in this job for the next 40 years, You've earned $1,000 more a year for 40 years. That one five-minute negotiation just earned you $40,000. But of course, everyone's saying, well, there's no way I'm going to sit in a job for 40 years. What's happening? You're, of course, getting raises and promotions and other jobs, and you're getting more than just $1,000. If you learn to negotiate, we're not talking about being a world-class negotiator, doing international peace treaties, just getting a little bit better this can earn you tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. in your lifetime. Reading a book, taking an online class, but investing just 10 hours can get you a massive ROI. Yeah. And by the way, here's the other secret. It's easy to understand this with negotiation. We can literally do the math. But the same is true for these other skills, for leadership, for communicating, for building your network. No one's going to say you're a better networker. Here's a thousand dollars more. Mm -hmm. But if you're a better networker, as you noted, you're going to get more job opportunities, more partnerships or customers or suppliers. You're going to get more things coming to you that will translate into more success and more financial success. So all of these skills, if you just get a little bit better, will produce a massive return on investment over your lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. You're reminding me of a story very early in my career, I got a job offer uh, from an insurance company to be an analyst. It was an analyst role, uh, very entry level. And they offered me $32,000 and I decided I was going to negotiate and I countered and I asked for 40. And I was thinking that they'd probably settle in the middle and give me 35 and I'd be happy. Um, so I, but I said, no, I want 40,000. And they said, great, we'll do it. And then they gave it to me and I thought, did I, should I have asked for more? Did I leave money on the table? Or are they just not good at negotiating? But that was great because that was the jumping off basis, jumping off point for my next job as a senior analyst with a different company where I got 65, I think, and you know had a bigger increase. And then it continued to go up from there. Um, and it all started with that, that first one that, as you said, like it's a big difference. It was just a few minutes of extra asking, but makes a big difference throughout the course of your career. Great example. And that's exactly what you have to do. And generally, if they say yes to your offer, you probably went too low or too high, depending on where you were. The, right. the thing that people struggle with, it's okay for someone to say no. It's okay for me to ask you for 50 and you say, you know, Mark, come on, 50, that's, that's a little high. Oh, okay. Right. And in some sense, that's a rejection. Right, I put out an idea and you just rejected it. Mm -hmm. But you know what? That, that's okay. You're not rejecting me personally. You're just rejecting that idea and getting comfortable accepting that rejection is going to make you a stronger negotiator. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's always worth at least looking into it and, and asking for a little bit more uh, if you think there might be room for a negotiation there. Um, as we wrap up, Mark, I just wanted to ask you, is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to make sure people know uh, from this career toolkit? 
there is an important way to learn these skills. We have traditionally learned by having a teacher stand in front of us and give us information or write something on the board and we memorize it. And that's great for learning math equations. That's great for learning history. That's not how we learn these skills. There is no formula for leadership. There's no three steps to be a master communicator. These are subtle skills. So the way we teach them at MIT, the way they're taught at top business schools is through peer learning groups. And you can do this in your own organization. I have a free download on the resources page of my website. You download this, you create small groups. I recommend about six to eight people in size, but you can scale them up larger if you want. And what you can do, you can start by taking some content. So you can take a book. Yes, you can use my book. If you don't want to use my book, use a great book like Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Use some of the other books that I list on my website. Use a great podcast like this one or other content. You can take any content you want. Everyone listens to it or reads it. So you read, let's say, 10 pages of the book, but then you come together to discuss it. And it's in that discussion, if we just read about leadership and we talk about, what do you think about this? What do I think? And I say, you know, I have this challenge next week at my job, and I'm thinking this is how I'm going to lead us through it. And then you can share with me your thoughts. And someone else in the group, she can share, you know, I had a similar situation. Here's what I did, what worked, what didn't. And this is how we really develop and learn instead of just reading a book or just listening to a podcast. And it's great that you do both. And clearly your listeners read books and listen to podcasts. But that deeper discussion is what really helps to enhance it. And so by creating these peer learning groups, you are going to help yourself learn it better. You're going to keep it top of mind because you'll be meeting, say, every other week and you're going to help other people develop as well. Such good advice. All right, last question for you, Mark. As you mentioned, I have a book called Own Your Career, Own Your Life, and this is the Own Your Career podcast. So when you hear that, what does that mean to you? No one cares about you more than you do. You have to take responsibility for your career. Now, other people do care about you, your spouse, your family, your manager, your friends, they care and they give you advice, but this is your life and you have to accept ultimate responsibility because your spouse may want you to pick a certain job that is perhaps more money, but it's going to make you more miserable. Your boss might want you on some project because it's going to help him out achieve his goals, even though it's not so great for yours. Now, clearly, we do need to listen to our spouse. We can't just say, hey, my life, not yours, forget. Yeah. have to pay attention to our spouse, needs of our children. Yes, keep your manager happy, but remember that this is your career and you have to own it more than anyone else. Absolutely. I agree with you completely. And if you are ready to own your career, obviously get my book, but make sure you get Mark's new book called The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success that no one taught you. And you've heard some of them here. And I know there's a lot more to dig into in this book. Um, Mark, I think you gave, uh, you have some uh, some resources available for us. So where should people go to find out more information? You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. There you can learn more about the book, see where to buy it, all the places you'd expect. You can get in touch with me or follow me on social media. If you go to the app page, that will take you to the Android and iPhone stores where you can download the free companion app to the book. 
Then there's also the resources page where I list other great books, some online free resources, and a couple downloads, including that development guide I mentioned. That's the first download on the page to help you create this program at your company. Or if your company doesn't want to do it, create a local meetup group and start doing it that way. All of this is available at thecareertoolkitbook.com. Got it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for coming on and sharing all of this with us. I appreciate it. Always learning more and uh, love learning this stuff from you. So thank you again for being here and hope we can keep in touch. That'd be wonderful. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care.